morning, everybody. Our reading this morning is from selected passages in Nehemiah chapters 11 and 12. Um, if you need a Bible this morning, there are some in the windowsills. Um, you can take those home as well if, if you need those. Um, every week we read from God's Word. It's the centre of everything that we do here. It's very important. Um, just, I pray for us all that we can listen and hear and understand it. So, from here, my book, I'm going to read from Nehemiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. Now, the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem, but in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns, Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. We're now going to move on to Nehemiah 12 and read verses 27 to 43. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness with thanksgivings and with singings, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district, district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of Netophthites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth, where the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. He cried out with a loud voice. The Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that give thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the Dung Gate, and after them went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshalam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jer Jeremiah, and certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Sakur, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Milalai, Mai, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. At the fountain gate they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall, above the house of David, to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshanah and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate, and they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me and the priests Eliakim, Messiah, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elioni, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets, and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehua, Hanan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang with Jezrahiah as their leader, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children all... I'm really, I really mean this. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. 
On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. And they said, form, one of those things. Um, you don't need a visa, but you do need this form. And so I got to the... This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is so freely available to us all. We pray now for Gentry as he comes to preach to us, to bring understanding to us for this word. Lord, I pray that you give us the ears to hear and that we take this word away with us today to feed us and nourish us throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen. As much as I got the form, that left me in the... Claire, fair play to you for all those names. <laughs> I don't, I, I, when, I, when Andrew told me what text I was going to be preaching, I was like, man, there's a lot of names in there that I can't even pronounce, and you just rocked it, so good job. Um, like Andrew said, my name is uh, Gentry. Um, it's good to be with you guys here today. Um, my wife, Liz, and I were around in the early days of Village when we launched just down the street at... Uh, the back room in Cook Presbyterian. Uh, we were around when we were in Lucas and Sue's house, which some of you guys may know them. Um, but we've been gone now for a while, and it's been incredible to just watch the way that God has worked in and through. You checked the weather, you would have known the brand to, um, to, to display his glory in the city of Belfast through you. Uh, and it's just a, a pleasure to be able to be here with you today. Whether you know us or not, um, we... Village is dear to our hearts. We pray at Reston Community Church for Village uh, often, and, and you guys are loved by our church, um, and, and you're a blessing to us, even though we're across an ocean from you. Um, also, before we get started, I want to just encourage you, you guys have an incredible team of worship ministry volunteers here. Um, I got to spend most of the day with them yesterday. They have a genuine heart for this church, a genuine love for this church, make up of any room to serve this church well. Um, and that's a unique and a beautiful thing. God has just graced you with that. So um, I know at the end of the reading today, it had uh, passages about how they were giving their portions to the singers. I'm not suggesting that you should do that, but um, you should tell them thank you, though. Uh, they at least deserve that. So, All right, Andrew's got me in Nehemiah 11 and 12. There's a lot to get through, so if it's okay, I'm just going to pray. Uh, and then uh, we'll jump back in, we'll jump into this text together. Um, Father, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. Um, God, it's just incredible that, that you would call us to be your people, that you would uh, speak to us, that you would give us... Faced with the, you're faced with the, the, with the reality of death. That we can live as your people. So would you be with me today as I, as I open up your word for these friends here? Would you help me to get out of the way of this text? Would you be glorified and lifted up in all that we uh, see and say together? Um, so Jesus, we, we thank you, we love you, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. 
Uh, so for those of you who don't know, back in 2014, when Village first launched, uh, we were a pretty ragtag group of individuals. Uh, some, of, some of you are around for that. Some of you are still ragtag, uh, Tim. Um, but me that the Bible tells us it is, and that we even know how the church at that time was that uh, there was this genuine desire in the heart of all the people that were there that were really kind of a core group of village to see um, the, the glory of God, to know more of God, to see that getting worked out in our community, uh, and all of the diverse backgrounds that we came from. Um, we had uh, artists, we had musicians, we had students, we had bakers, we had baristas and parents and newly married couples and bicycle builders. Um, and, and as we gathered, what we were desiring to see was the love and grace of Jesus worked in us. If you're familiar this city. And we didn't have a whole lot to bring to the table at that time in terms of uh, finances or theological prowess, but we brought what we had. So the artists helped us design websites and uh, graphics that helped us communicate to the community around us. Um, the musicians helped craft a, a, an authentic kind of worship sound that was unique to Village, especially at that time. Uh, the baristas helped redeem the idea of what church coffee could be. Um, and the bakers brought the best pan au chocolats in the city. Um, and the bicycle builders, what did you do, Andrew? <laughs> nah, they, like, but seriously, like, the, the, Andrew and John, like, those guys gave weeks and months and years of their lives and devoted their lives to becoming faithful servants of the church so that, uh, so that this church could be blessed and so that God's glory could be known throughout the city. And we weren't doing anything particularly fancy, really. We were just gathering. Like we, it wasn't a production. We just kind of gathered. We opened up the word. We sang some songs. We prayed together. But as we did that, God in his grace began to gather his people from the community around us to establish a church that would declare and display his glory in, this, in broken and in beautiful ways in this city. And I, I wanted to start by telling you all of that because... If, as we look at Scripture, one of the really cool things to me as we open up Scripture together is that we see these kinds of patterns that God works in. And that pattern of gathering people to a community to celebrate and to declare the glory of God has been the pattern that God uses to establish his kingdom and grow his church. He gathers groups of diverse gifts and he gathers them together to see and celebrate the work of God in the community around them. And in Nehemiah 11 and 12, that pattern is what we see at work. It's a way that God gathers his people together to accomplish his purposes. Specifically in Nehemiah, that purpose was to rebuild the, the temple and the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And we get a glimpse into what it looks like for the people of God to respond to that work with gratitude and celebration. So like, if you're a note taker... Um, this, has, this is like big ideas and points. They're more for me a lot of times than they are for the people who are listening. But if you like to have those things, my big idea for me today is that the people of God are a gathered people. and a Maybe you respond with denial. Or maybe even try to embrace it. It's open. You can open up chapter Nehemiah, or to Nehemiah chapter 11. That's where we're going to start. Um, Andrew gave me these two full chapters and like 90% of the text was just names that I couldn't pronounce. 
and I'm not even going to try to. That's why I'm grateful that Claire did the reading for us today. Um, but buried in this long list of names, there's a couple of themes that I think are important that I want us for us to notice. So what I want to do is just show you a couple of those themes as we kind of take chunks from 11 and 12 that I think highlight this idea that the people of God are a gathered and a grateful people. So uh, let's look at the first few verses of chapter 11 together again. So Nehemiah 11, verses 1 and 2. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring out one of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. So if you haven't been here as, as Village has been working through the book of Nehemiah, what's going on here is that the people of Israel have been working to rebuild and restore the city of Jerusalem. The city had been destroyed, uh, and they were, the people of Israel were captured and taken into captivity. But they've returned to the city of Jerusalem, and they've been working to rebuild everything. And as we get to this point, In chapter 11, the temple has been rebuilt, the walls of the city had been restored, but the city itself is basically empty. All of the people are living outside of the city. There's some leaders living in the city, but the people of Israel are kind of scattered throughout the towns and the villages that surround Jerusalem. Uh, And that isn't what God had intended for them when he called them back to Jerusalem. God's intention in bringing his people out of captivity and returning them to the city was always that they would live out the purpose because he himself is the resurrection and the life. Only God's intention and his purpose for his people has always been. That's what we see in Isaiah 46. When, when the Lord says, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light to the nations. God's intention for the people of Israel had always been that their lives lives lived in worship of Yahweh, of God, would be a light to the world around them. And here in Nehemiah, what we see God doing is restoring them collectively as a people to be a display of it. Jesus addresses the problem of the covenant that he made with Abraham, that they would be blessed to be a blessing, that all nations through them would be blessed. But as we drop into chapter 11 here, what we see are a people who have been doing the work of God in restoring the city and in, of rebuilding the walls, but there are people who have been scattered. The leaders of the city are, are the leaders of the people are living in the city, but the but the people are scattered throughout the surrounding regions. And so Nehemiah tells us that they gathered one out of every ten people to come and live in the city, to come and repopulate Jerusalem. And what we're observing in them doing this is the people of God being gathered for the purposes of God. When Martha, their comfort, putting aside their preferences, putting aside their plans, and seeking to follow where God was leading them and to be who he was calling them to be. So here's the first part of what I think we can see in Nehemiah chapter 11. As we look at the text, as we look at what it means for the people of God to, to gather these people from the surrounding areas and bring them into the city to repopulate, I think the first theme that we can see is that the people of God are a gathered people. People of God are a gathered people. God's intention for the people of Israel was never that they would be brought out of captivity and then just scatter around and kind of live out individualistic lives farming on their farms or, or crafting their wares. His intention for them was that they would 
And his intention for them has always been to establish for himself a people who would display his glory to the world. And one of the primary ways that he chooses to display his glory to the world around us is through the gathering of his people. And so that long list of names that that Claire graciously read through uh, is not just a roll call of people who decided to move to the city because there was a because it felt like a new adventure. It's not just a roll call of people who felt like, oh, this might be a good opportunity. This is a group of people that God is gathering to himself. It is a testimony of the work that God was doing in and through the people of Israel in restoring them to this place for his purposes so that his glory might go out to the nations. It's a testimony to the way that God sovereignly gathers his people to specific places at specific times for specific purposes. And that's still the way that God works today. So for many of us, myself included, I think it's far too easy for us to forget that the circumstances of our lives The friends that we have, the jobs that we work at, the neighborhoods that we live in, the church that we attend, theological convictions, her doctrine, the countries that we we find our citizenship in, that none of those things are coincidences or strategic decisions that we've made for our lives at their core. Those of us who belong to Jesus, those of us who are a part of the family of God, the people of God, we know, even if we forget sometimes, that We are who we are and where we are because of the sovereign grace of God at work in our lives. One of my, C.S. Lewis has a quote in his book, The Four Loves, and it's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, He's he's relating it to friendship, but I think it applies to what it means for people of God to to see ourselves as a gathered people. He says in the book that in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our birth, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university over another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are strictly speaking no chances. This is beautiful to me. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, he might give us a small measure of comfort, but the truth is that that still remains. Can truly say to every group of Christian friends, can truly say to every group of gathered Christians in the church, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating in good taste and finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauty of others, and the beauty of himself. Through works of grace, both large and small, God has been at work and is, and is still at work in gathering his people for the purposes of displaying his glory to the world around him. Gathering you at village here as his people called to display and declare the goodness of God and the glory of Jesus to the community around you. And that doesn't just happen when you gather here on Sundays, right? That happens when you gather in homes, in your MCs. That happens when you gather in, uh, to, to celebrate with one another. It happens when you gather to 
mourn and to weep with one another. It happens when you meet up at the pub for a restaurant for uh, laughter and, and all of these moments as we come together. I think there's a deep and a profound mystery in the words of Jesus in Matthew 18.20 when Jesus says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. I think we think about that a lot of times in relationship to what we do here on Sunday. But I, as, I, as I think about that, like, I wonder how often when we bump into our brothers and our sisters in a coffee shop, do we realize that Christ is there with us. We forget so easily. I sink into this chair. I, I believe into Jesus. We become Whether they are big or small, scheduled or unscheduled, in our gatherings, we display the glory of God, and Jesus is there with us. When you bump into somebody at Tesco, the presence of Jesus is there with you. When you laugh and cry together in your MCs, Jesus is there with you. Jesus is here with us now, being glorified as we gather as the people of God to proclaim his greatness to him and to one another. And listen, Satan hates that. ...of what Jesus is saying here, we knew... ...attack. He'll try to pull us towards individualism, towards divisiveness and gossip, towards fighting for position rather than service, towards gathering out of religious habit rather than true heart-transformed desire to be with the people of God, to be gathered where the people of God are gathered. He will draw us towards apathy or complacency that misses the beauty of the presence of Jesus in these gatherings. So maybe we can just, maybe we just stop here for a minute and just, Reflect and ask ourselves a couple of things. Life. He Questions that I ask myself. I, I told our, the worship teams yesterday, I speak um, not out of a place of having arrived on any level. I'm learning these things for myself and just telling you what I'm learning. So these are questions that I asked myself. How do you view the gatherings of the church? Big, small, official, unofficial, Scheduled or unscheduled? Are they habitual or are they holy? Are they religious obligations? Or are they the restorative foundation for your life? Deeply, deeply moved. He has a deep emotional response. The words that John... Relationships that God has brought, in, brought us into here at Village... Uh, in your neighborhoods, in your jobs? How might seeing those relationships as something more than just coincidence, something sacred that the master of ceremonies has called you into, how might that change your interactions in those spaces? How might that lead your heart towards a greater appreciation for the gatherings of God's people? People of God are a gathered people. But if we keep reading... We also discover that the people of God are grateful people. If you're, again, that's, that's the whole Bible. In John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus grateful people. And so we're going to jump over to chapter 12, um, starting in verse 27 through 47 from our reading this morning. My wife and I have been back in America for about 10 years now. Uh, 
which is hard for us to believe, but over those 10 years, it's been great for us to be able to come back and to visit and to, we've been able to do that pretty regularly over the last 10 years. Um, and, and one of the great like, joys for me when I get to come back is uh, being able to just spend time with people that we love and that we don't get to see that often. And usually on our trips back, there's like a, we unofficially call them founders nights, where like the kind of core group of village who were there at the beginning. Answer to their own pain. Sit and laugh and, and have a good time, share stories and catch up. Um, but I think like those, are, those moments for me are joyful, celebratory moments. But I wonder like if you like were to walk in on one of our nights like that, where we're just like catching up, it's like it's good crack, but you walk in and like all of us are just on our phones, like kind of scrolling and not talking to each other. Like you'd, feel, you'd probably think that was weird, right? Like that doesn't like you haven't seen these guys in a year and a half, and like we're just gonna like check Instagram or scroll Twitter or whatever the thing is. Like that would be a weird occurrence, right? Because when we gather as people who have been called together. Uh, in, in deeply first century, in deeply spiritual ways, the natural response in those moments is joyful celebration. It's, it's joyous. It's, there's laughter. There's, there's singing. There's stories being told. There's just this, this feeling of, of joy in the room. In chapter 12, the people of God have gathered in the city of Jerusalem. The temple has been rebuilt. The walls have been restored. And they've experienced the grace and mercy of God as his gathered people out of captivity. They've been restored as a people. And now they're ready to celebrate. Look at verse 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. So they got a full band. They're ready to, they're ready to play. And they've gone out and they've gathered these people into the city that they're going to do a dedication of the wall uh, that God had called them to rebuild. And, and one of the most striking things to me as you read through, verse, through chapter 12 is how often in this section uh, music is brought up, the prominence of music in this chapter. And as the people of God gather to celebrate the work of God, the gratitude that's in their hearts for what God had done in them and through him naturally overflows in singing and praise. Look at, look at just a few of the verses. Look at verse 31. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south wall, uh, went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. So they've got two choirs that they're, that they're basically just climbing up on top of a wall and marching around the city. Verse 38, the other choir who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half the people on the wall. And verse 40, so both choirs, those who gave thanks, stood in the house of God, and I and half the officials with me, and the singers with Jezariah as their leader, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God, for God had made them Rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoice. And this is beautiful to me. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. I was trying to imagine what this would have been like to have been there. And the only thing that I could come up with was like football songs, like maybe sanctified football songs, but like. (laughs) 
football songs, like that kind of energy, like just like loud, raucous, like cheering, singing. Like these guys are celebrating. They're excited that they're back in the city. They're up on the walls, walking around the city. They get to the temple and they have like the most epic church service ever. It's just a painting of what heaven will be like. The people of God gathered, realizing in some way the beauty and the goodness of God and naturally singing praises to him as a response to that. This is an anti-Jericho moment. In Jericho, the people shouted and the walls came down. In the restoring of the walls of Jerusalem, the people shout because the walls have been built. It's a symbolic gesture of gratitude to God. They're saying with their worship, God, you have made all of this and all of us new. You have gathered us as your people, and now as your people, we're going to express our gratitude for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will continue to do. And as the people of God, gratitude can be our default position. Because gratitude is a responsive action that flows out of having been given an incredible gift. And more than anyone else on earth, Christians have been given a deep well to draw from so that our lives are continually marked by gratitude and thanksgiving and worship. And as the people of God express that gratitude, and as we express that gratitude in our gatherings today, one of the most instinctive ways that we do that is in song. One past face. This is how they buried people back then. You were, you were wrapped in a... ...of the worship of God, uh, of God's Old Testament and New Testament people. It is only in biblical religion that the people of God are characteristically joyful and express their joy in great singing. Now, joyful doesn't mean that we're just all happy, clappy all the time and we don't ever experience any sadness. What it means is there's a deep river of peace that runs underneath our experience of sadness and suffering that gives us hope. Christians write hymns. They sing them in their services. Christians write choruses. Christian musicians compose great oratorios. Why is this? See, these people had come to do is itself joyous. It is a response to the great acts of God on our behalf, particularly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which secured our salvation. So I wonder, what would it look like and I was here, I'm, I'm here this morning for the first time, and your singing was beautiful and joyous. And so just even in, in the first moments of this morning, we get a taste of the goodness of heaven as we gather together and sing. But I wonder what it would look like for you to grow in that even more, for you to desire for God to give you even more of that. Walks. For you to respond regularly and powerfully to the gracious works of God in your individual lives and here corporately? What would it look like for you to be able to say, or for people around you to be able to say that the joy of village was heard far away? How beautiful would it be if you were gathered here in this space with neighbors just on the other side of that wall and people walking on the streets as you gather here to celebrate the goodness and the glory of God, for them to hear your praises, to hear the joy echoing out of this place and long to know what you know.
Jesus wept over the death. Comes so powerful that it becomes a testimony of the goodness of God to those people. For your worship to be a tangible expression of mission. Because as your joyful celebration is overheard, those people want to know what is so good that these people have. Want to know and taste and see. I think that'd be. I think that's, that would be one of my prayers for you today. Was for, just for you to treasure the beauty of what it means to be the gathered people of God, and that when you gather to be. Right, that's what happens. That's what happened to Jesus. He's put in this tomb, and he brought you to this place and to respond in celebration and powerful and enthusiastic ways. And if that's already happening, man, just God is a giver of good gifts. Just by God, this is so good. Would you, could you just give us a little bit more? Can we just get a, just a little bit more taste of your goodness? Would you just fill our hearts with a little bit more joy? Would you lift our voices with a little bit more praise? Because here's the thing. What we see here in Nehemiah is that the people of God are a gathered and a grateful people. But as we gather, as, the, as God's people today, as the church of Jesus Christ, the worst that the devil could throw, even more reason to celebrate and express gratitude than the people of Israel. Because what they were celebrating and expressing gratitude for was only just a partial picture of what God was doing and was con- continuing to do in his plan of salvation for the world. Because Israel here is responding and expressing gratitude for deliverance from Babylonian captivity. But in Christ, how much more can we celebrate and express our gratitude for the eternal deliverance that we have been given in Jesus Christ? Eternal deliverance from bondage of sin, death, and hell through the atoning work of Jesus. While Israel is celebrating the work of God and gathering them together as a distinct people who are marked by Uh, and identified by uh, nationality and culture in Christ, how much more can we celebrate and express gratitude because of the gift that we have been, all of us, with our diverse backgrounds and nationalities, been called into the family of God, been called sons and daughters of God who were grafted into the body of Christ. Or as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How much more do we have to celebrate and thank God for? While Israel is celebrating the work of God and providing them with the protection. This recording. A joke. Uh, the people of God celebrate and express gratitude for the security that is offered us in Jesus Christ, where we are guarded and kept by his very presence with us. While Israel is celebrating the renewal of the temple, the temple that was eventually going to be knocked down again. How much more can we as the people of God celebrate and express gratitude that through Jesus' sacrifice, God has made a way for himself to not only dwell with his people, but in his people. With no need for physical building, because God has chosen to make known to us the riches and the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. How much more can we sing of the great grace that because of the atoning work of Jesus, we are now the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God dwells with and in everyone who places their faith in Jesus. 
if Israel could celebrate that they had been restored to be a blessing to the nations around them, how much more can we yearn to see our cities transformed through our lives as we're shaped by the gospel into a people who declare and display his goodness through our worship and love for the people around us. and That overflows out of us. We, as the people of God, Christians, members of the Church of Christ, have been gathered, delivered, given a new identity, promised the protection and the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit. So we have great reasons to, to be a gathered people that are marked by gratitude. Came back to life. You see, and a grateful people. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace towards us. We thank you for the way that your mercy and your grace is poured out on our lives, the way that you gather us as your people from all different backgrounds, all different nationalities, all different cultures, and you unite us in your love. Jesus, I pray that we would see that, that we would respond to that with thanksgiving and celebration and gratitude. And I pray that you would, here at Village, inspire in the hearts of your people a longing to see and know more of you so that as they experience your goodness, the people in the, in the community, the, the people that you have already called your own, would begin to taste and see just how good you are. The, the, the Holy Spirit would begin to open hearts and use the gratitude of your people here at Village, the, the thanksgiving of your people here at Village, to draw your people from the different corners of Belfast. Jesus, we know that we deserve none of this. We know that it is only by your grace that we can be called your people. It is only by your grace. Let the resurrection be your stumbling block. Because without that, the rest is irrelevant. Tim Keller says, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said.